kids, you can head on upstairs. While we're doing that, pray for one another. Pray, pray uh, especially, we have three special requests. Pray for Heidi Gatto. She is having knee surgery on Tuesday and has to go back to teaching. I'm supposed to be back teaching uh, end of the week and at school, and so we need to pray for Heidi for knee surgery. Judy is getting ready to have back surgery on Tuesday, uh, so pray for her as she's going into surgery. And also pray for Cleta Hastings. Cleta is back in the hospital again, severe health issues, and I know that they all three would truly appreciate that. And uh, let's uh, pray for one another as we go through the week. and. Uh, check in on each other and make sure everybody's doing okay. So uh, you can take your Bibles to Exodus chapter 32 today. I don't, I, I'm, I, I don't want this to be a, a, like a doomsday type of series that we're looking at, but um, that picture that we have of, the, of my uh, home church, um, like to have them put that back up again if they would. And, and, hey, that's a pretty picture. I like, that was a little prettier than that one. But, um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with you guys. Uh, I need a screen back here so I can see what kind of shenanigans they're doing to me, you know? So, um, but... <clears throat> It just uh, left a, an impression on me that uh, that that isn't what we want. Let let this let let the, let this church be here, doing what we're supposed to be doing, when the trumpet sounds and calls the believers home. And that's however long that is. I pray that it it will uh, uh, happen and that God will continue to put His hand of blessing upon our church. I, I'm not saying this in, a, in an arrogant way, uh, but been in the ministry a long time, and we have something special in our church family, and I'm thankful for that, and I never want to lose that, and the devil would love to do everything he can to blow that up, and uh, he, that nothing makes him happier than seeing the vines growing on the, on the building and the, the moss on the, on the walls and, and uh, empty seats in there and no preaching of God's word, and and it, it truly does sadden me to, to uh, see things like that, and, and I uh, just never want that to happen uh, here at Platte Valley. And, and so we're just, we are going to continue uh, this series about how do we make sure that uh, our church continues to stand and that God is pleased with uh, what we're doing. And uh, today's title is, if, if we're going to see that, then... We need to kill the golden calf, and we need to get rid of that calf and, and let us make sure that uh, is, it isn't here, but only God's glory and looking to please him and to honor him in, in what we're doing. And so we'll get into this, and uh, you go back to Exodus, keep your finger here at Exodus 32, that's where the, the majority of the text will be, but you go all the way back to Exodus chapter 19. In verses 1 and 2, we have Israel now has come out of the land of Egypt. And in the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt. So they, they have been walking now for a little while. And the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai 
For they were departed from Rephidim and come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. Now, I, I find it interesting all of the, the uh, history that takes place here at this mountain. And uh, it's here at this mountain that they have arrived. It's there where when Moses had met up with God in the burning bush and in the backside of the desert and God had talked to him, it was here. And he had even told Moses that there's going to come a time when you will be back here again with the children of Israel. And uh, a great thing uh, taking place during that time. And, and uh, it was just a place where God used many times throughout the Old Testament. And, and go back and read about the special place of, of here where uh, all of these things took place. And, and so from chapter 19 all the way to where we get to chapter 32, we read about one of the most spectacular moments in Old Testament history. We have here where the Mosaic Law is written out and established. We, we have uh, here where God writes about the tabernacle and, and, and how they need to, re, how to build the tabernacle and, and that that would represent the very presence of God and, and that His glory would, would uh, be inside of that, that tabernacle. And isn't it interesting that we have the God of the universe, He is the creator of all, He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, He is the all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, all-seeing God that, that we have, that we know, and, and He's the one that has sent us Jesus to be the Savior. And, and in all of that, God gives them uh, what, what he wants to reside in, and it's a tabernacle. I mean, it, it, that in itself ought to show us that maybe our perspective on success ought to be different than what the world deems success to be. Maybe we ought to learn to be a little more concerned about the things of God, and, and, and instead of being so concerned about uh, building of the mightiest things. Now, I, I think it was a wonderful thing when when uh, uh, David came to God and said, I want to build a temple, and, and God said, David, you're not going to be able to. You, you, you're a, uh, too much blood is on your hands, and you're not able to do that, but I will allow Solomon to do that. And, and God was pleased with the, the magnificence of that, of that temple. How, how wonderful it would have been to see that firsthand. I mean, imagine all of the gold-plated instruments and and, and the walls and, and all the fixtures and the brass and the copper and all of the, the fine metals and all of the wealth that must have been there. And, and it truly was extravagant. And, and, and I'm not saying that, that we need to go around and, and look like paupers. And, and I do believe our God is bigger than that. I praise the Lord for the building we have. I praise the Lord for the land that we have. And, and we need to use it for honor, God's honor and glory. But here we, we do need to make sure that we are keeping things in perspective. God just lays out the tabernacle, and, and it's here where ceremonial worship is given, and, and it's during these passages that we have the, the all-famous uh, Ten Commandments that are given. And so it was truly a spectacular moment in the history of, of the Old Testament and, and in the uh, uh, history of Israel, and and uh, we, we get to chapter 24, and, 
and, and Moses is, is here at Mount Sinai. All of Israel is, is here by this mountain, and, and God calls him up onto the mountain, and, and when he does the first time, then all the people are wanting to follow and, and be a part of this, and, and God told him, he said, you need to go down, you need to set some boundaries here, and, and you make sure that no one touches this mountain. And make sure the animals stay away from the mountain. Anything that touches this mountain is going to die. And so, but we see something spectacular there take place where Moses is doing this. And, and God calls Moses and, and he calls several of the leaders, over 70 of them, to, to come. And, 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 they, and they sit down and they eat and they drink in fellowship with God. I mean, that... I've read through that so many times, and, and just in my studies did I notice that, and, and how they had a sweet fellowship there on that mountain, and, and uh, uh, then it tells us that um, Moses, uh, they come down in chapter 24, and, and in verses 15 through 18, we see then that Moses ascends again back up onto the mountain. This time he goes only with Joshua, and so the rest are left behind, and and they are to be there, and they're to wait on God, and they are to wait on Moses until he gets done with giving uh, Moses all of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the rest of the information that he needs. And this is a part of the Ten Commandments. And, uh, and then he goes in, actually in 24, then I believe it's talking more about the priest and the ceremonial worship and all of that. And, and so Moses ascends again into the presence of God, and and the people are waiting on Moses, and they're waiting on God. And while they're sitting there waiting, then they make a horrific decision which costs many of them their lives. And you can see that only in God's grace and mercy were they not completely destroyed. And you know, I think sometimes that, that we uh, need to be careful in our own lives and let us be careful in our in our own church family that we don't get too comfortable and 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 then we stop waiting on God and think that we need to do things in our own way and in our own manner and our own desires and and think that we're going to make the right decisions and so uh, let's guard from that let's make sure that the decisions we make are decisions that are made by waiting on God seeking his direction and then when we know, then we move forward, and we do what God tells us to do. And with that, then we need to check a couple of things. First of all, let's check our attitude. Let, let's make sure that, that our attitude is what, what it needs to be. Let, let's make sure that our attitude uh, individually is, is what it ought to be with God. Let's make sure our relationship with God is what it needs to be. Let's make sure that our relationships that we have, whether you're married, your spouse, and your children that are home, or whatever your relationships are, make sure that they're right with God, and, and uh, make sure that we are uh, showing the respect that we ought to, because here we're going to see that it's an attitude that brings a devastation upon this entire country. Look in verse 1 through 6 of chapter 32. And it tells us, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. 
And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool, after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. You know, I, I look at the attitude that these people had, and, and I just want to share some things, and let's make sure that we do not get this kind of an attitude. First of all, we see that in this attitude, there was no respect for God. None whatsoever. First of all, they give Moses the credit by saying that Moses is the one who brought us up out of here, and we don't even know where this guy's at anymore. And, and, and so they do not even give any recognition that, that it's God that has had the, the, the cloud in the day and the pillar of fire at night to lead them. He's a, it was God that opened up the Red Sea. It was God that destroyed the army of, of Egypt. It was God that ha- has, has uh, brought water out of the rock. And, and it's God that has provided for them and given them food to eat. And, and, and uh, their clothes don't wear out and their shoes didn't wear out the whole time they were there. They had zero respect for God and, and let us make sure that, first of all, we as an individual don't get that way, but let us make sure that our church never gets to the point where all we're concerned about is entertaining the masses and, and care nothing about who God is. Let us not forget who He is and let us be afraid of, of who God is and what He can do if If we do not do what we ought to do, he tells us over in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Look, we need to understand that as we come to church today and and we come, we come to worship God. It is not about us. It's not about who we are. It's not about what we want. It's all about what God wants, and God wants your heart. God wants you to be worshiping Him uh, uh, transparently with Him. And, And if there's things that He's pointing out in your life that are wrong... Get them right with him and make certain that you're walking in the way that you ought to. But, oh, how we ought to have a, a, a truly a reverential fear and respect for who God is. God isn't the, the, the old man upstairs. God isn't the old man. God is God Almighty. God is the one that created us. God is the one that will rapture the church. God is the one who will bring the tribulation upon this country God is the, and, and, and the world. God is the one that will destroy this heaven and this earth and establish a new city and a new heaven and a new earth. It's God who does that. It's God that casts many of those angels that followed after the devil, that he's cast some of them into everlasting chains, and and he's allowed the others to roam this earth with the devil himself. But one day, it's God that will destroy the devil. It's God that will destroy those demons. He's the one that we serve. He's the one that, that we ought to honor in everything. And 
Let us never lose a respect for who God is. Let us not think that we can live carnally and and wickedly and, and do whatever it is that we want to do and think that we can justify it with God's grace. Oh, how we need to understand that there is no respect for God when people have this kind of an attitude and boy, they didn't have one. Then you look at those verses again and, and not only do they not have any respect for God, but really they didn't have any respect for Moses either. Oh, how many times did they go to Moses whining and crying and never thankful for anything that they had, never thankful for what, what God was doing, never thankful for a man who had given up his entire life to, to lead these characters and, and they had no respect for him. They come out and they say, we... Uh, As for this Moses, this man that brought us up out, we don't even know where he's at anymore. Maybe he even left. Maybe he's a coward and he took off and left us alone. Can I tell you something that sometimes you you want to see, you want to see a church die is when, when church family starts disrespecting the man that God has placed there. Now, I'm not saying that I'm special. I have feet of clay just like you. I have problems in my life. I deal with anxiety sometimes, and I think I'm losing my mind. There there are times when the anger scorches the earth, and you shouldn't allow that to happen. There are times when you, you deal with all the same things that you guys deal with. I understand that, but God called me to the ministry, and God called me to be here and to be your pastor. And by God's grace, as long as I'm not walking in sin and, and living in blatant you know, some kind of sin that, that would, would uh, 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 disqualify me from this ministry, then, then we need to understand that in God's placement then, in God's man, that there does need to be some sort of respect for that position. You know, we've lost that in our country today. We've lost, and, and many times it's because it's well-deserved that you lose the respect of that person if they're not doing what they ought to be doing. But oh, how we need to understand that if there are those who who truly are doing what God has called them to do, they're ministering to the best of their ability, and they're and they're preaching the word of God, then then you need to show some respect to that person. But you want to mark a, a church that's dead is when you have people that are disrespecting a genuine man of God. Oh, be careful with that. You know, I think that that is. You know, part of their reason that so many churches are empty, uh, there's all kinds of reasons. And, and some of it is some of those preachers just got to get a little bit tougher. A bunch of pansies that are out there and somebody gets mad at them and so they pack up their, their toys and go home and go somewhere else. You know, wherever you go, you're going to have spiritual battles. You, wherever you go, you're going to have people that, that might not like you. You're going to go where people are going to disagree with you. You know what? It's okay to disagree with me. It really is. But if you disagree with me, you better come with a Bible reason why you disagree. And then we can sit down and discuss it. And then we need to make things right, whatever it is. And so if we're wrong, we're wrong, right? And we get get it right. But here, there was no respect for Moses whatsoever. And I'm telling you, if churches get in, there are churches that do that. I've seen churches that just eat pastors. I remember one church in in like 19 years, they'd had 21 pastors. I'm telling you, on that one, you're better off just burn it to the ground, rebuild it, and start over. 
and whoever was there, chase them off. I mean, there, there are crazy things that happen, and, and, I'm, and I'm telling you these things because, look, you want to follow me for a day? You're going to know how to pray for me. <laughs> I'm telling you. Some days are really good. You know, I stay on my medication, and it's a really good day. And the other days, you're like, this guy needs a double dose, you know? Uh, I mean, there, there are, but, but by God's grace, I love the Lord, I love his word, and I love you. To the, to the, now, can I love you better? Yeah. Can I love the word more? Yes. Can I love God more? Yes. And I need to work on it. But, you know, together, together we get through this. But if there's a disrespect, and you can go into churches where there's no respect for a pastor, that church is dead. Now, like I said, some pastors deserve that. They haven't earned any respect from anyone. And so that isn't what we're talking about. That is a hireling. And that's what you had here, really, in Aaron. I, I, I would have been, if I had most, I don't know. I don't know how Aaron got away with this and didn't die, other than God's mercy. I'm serious. I, I mean, let's go back and look at this. And it says, so, so they, they come to him, and, and uh, they, they, uh, 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 people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, get up, make us gods. I can't make you any gods. That's what he should have said. You need, to, you need to really get your heart right before God kills us all. But that isn't what Aaron did at all. He said, okay, fine, all right, yeah, that's what you want, then, then that's what we're going to do. And, 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 and can I tell you also that when a pastor gets that where it's peace at all costs, it's going to kill the church too? You know, there, there's one man that's called to that, to that ministry full time that, that, that God uses. I don't care what everybody else, that's the polity of our church. This is why we do what we do. We don't have a, we, we do not have a board of elders. We have a pastor. And we have deacons. But you know what the deacons are there for? The deacons aren't the pastor's boss. You know who the boss is? Is God and then the church. Deacons are there to help serve. And so the deacons aren't there to hire and to fire. That's the church's responsibility, knowing what God's will is, right? And so we work that out. But but here we, we need to understand and and look and, and see what what's going on here with Aaron, and, and they tell him, hey, you need to get up, you need to do this. Aaron should have said, no, we're not. But he does it anyway. He says, okay, bring all your earrings. Man, they must have had a bunch of earrings. I mean, I don't, probably a two million people, so must have been a lot of them proud of those earrings. Who are they dolling up for? Oh, let's put our earrings on. We're moving on through the desert today. A little interesting, isn't it? I'm not saying go like you're looking like you're going to Walmart, but I'm not sure why you'd want to do this. But anyway, they take all the earrings, and here he takes and puts it all and gets it all hot, and, and then, then he takes it out into this big ball, and, he, and it says that he carves it out, and he carves it into this golden calf and says, here's your God. Who in the world would think that that is a God? I'm thinking that I'm going to take it and I'm going to go sell it, you know? Go, you know, build the new building. There it is. Thank you. 
here we see that he was just a hireling, verses 4 and 5. You see them at their hand, fashioned it with a graving tool, and after he made it a molten calf, and they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. He just a hireling is what he was, and only cared about making people happy and pacifying everyone and keeping them on his good side. And, and then it goes over and he, and he says this, and Moses confronts him when he comes down. And this is what Aaron said in verse 22. And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. I mean, it's their fault. They said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we know not what has become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I <clears throat> cast it into the fire. And lo and behold, there came out this calf. Man, I tell you, God's mercy. Only God's mercy. And so we know that he had done what he had done and just trying to make everybody happy. You know, we just can't do that. We, we need to realize that as a church, too. Not just the pastor. The pastor can't make everybody happy. The best thing you can do, and this is for everybody, here's some common sense, biblical advice for all of us. Make God happy, and those that truly are important to you in your life, they'll follow and they'll understand, they'll, they'll be happy with that. Those that are mad about that, well, they weren't your friends anyway. So just be happy and, and, and know that you please God, and when God is pleased, then everything's going to be okay. And as a church body, we need to do that. You know, you always have people in the, in the, in the community that are going to say, well, why do you do this, or why do you do that, or why can't you do this, or why can't you do that? You, you know what, really, it, it, it's not their business, and, and it's what we do that we do what we do to honor and please God, and that's really all that matters. And when we do that, we'll be effective, and people will see the, the truth of the gospel and the joy that the gospel brings, and, and everything will be okay. But let us not be hirelings, and let us not be swayed by what community thinks. Let us be what God wants us to be. And so when they had no respect for God, they had no respect for God's man, then they replaced God with a man-made idol. It was gold made from jewelry, as fashioned by Aaron. It was set up in a place of God. And, and this is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you'd like to follow me, you can. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And, and we'll look at, look at uh, actually I want to read the first 14 verses if I can. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea, and did eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Let us always keep focus on what is important. It's Jesus. It's Christ. It's the Messiah. It's the Anointed One. It's the Savior. We need to tell people about Jesus. We need to honor and glorify Him. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, 
and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed as serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples that they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I mean, he just continues on with the warning all throughout all of that. And I just want you to know that God hates idolatry. And here they had done something that... that was going to cost them their lives. They had taken something that was man-made and, and they had placed it up in front of them and said, this will be our gods. This is what will deliver us. <clears throat> oh, how careful we need to be that we do not place things in the rightful place of God. It might be good things but you put it in the wrong place. Let us be careful that we look at this and think, we're not making any gold, golden calves. Well, you might not be making a golden calf, but you might be putting something in the place of God and you're making that an idol. might just be your own desires. It's become your idol. And you've decided that this is a direction that this church needs to go and, and, and I'm going to see to it that that before I am dead and gone, that this is exactly the way things are going to happen, and this will happen. Well, you might find out that that's your golden calf. Maybe there's good reasons why it hasn't happened. I don't know. Maybe your children have become your golden calf. Maybe your own will and desire for your own life and what you think is successful has become your golden calf. My wife and I, we were in Loveland yesterday, came out of Sam's there in Loveland, and man, there was a brand new maroon uh, Chevy Tahoe with the diesel. I mean, it was gorgeous, right? And we get in the truck, and just about the time we got in the truck, here comes the hail. I was so glad I had my pickup. I'm like, beat it. Beat it half to death. I don't care. Just don't break my windshield. I just put it in two weeks ago. You know, and I thought, if I'm that person with that Tahoe, all those shopping carts in that little shed, they're out. I'm pushing them out, you know, put that thing in there. Can you imagine buying that $165,000 Ford Raptor at, at Corf, and you drive through a hailstorm? You know, and, and I don't know. Sometimes I think we can let some material things really become an idol. Maybe you just, I don't know, but whatever it is, let us be careful that it doesn't become an idol. God is not happy with that. You know what it brings? It brings a carnal way of life, and it brings a carnal attitude. Verse 6, and they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. you imagine what that's doing to God's heart when they're doing that with everything that he has done? And the people sat down to eat and to drink. And I'm not talking about they did not sit down to have sweet fellowship. They were talking about a party and a gluttonous party and a drunken party 
and they rose up to play. And that play is not playing kickball. That, that, that's talking about some, some, some deviant behavior in their lives and, and what they were doing. And, and look, that attitude brought them into such a carnality and, and such a wicked way of life and that everything about them was disgusting because of their idol worship and the things that they had placed in front of God. You go on over to verses 18 and 19, and, and he said, It is not the voice of them. So Joshua and Moses are coming down. I mean, they've had a, a, a tremendous time with God and, and his glory and, and all of the, the graciousness of God. And, and they come down, and, and Joshua is saying that it's not the voice of them that, 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 that's won a victory or, or have overcome the uh, uh, battle, but it's the noise of them that's... Uh, uh, that, that sing do I hear, and, and it's this weird kind of a, a joyful kind of sound, but it's not a godly joy, and, and it came to pass as soon as he came nigh to the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mouth. I, I mean, he comes down and had this uh, tremendous meeting with God, and, and he had just days before that had left a whole crew of men who had sat there in the very presence of God and, and enjoyed the sweet fellowship of God and, and all of that. And now he walks down and, and he sees all of this that's going on and, and he throws the, the, the tables, the, the tablets down. And no wonder. I mean, you, you come to this point and you think, how in the world did we ever get to this? Let us never be that way in our own lives. Let us not be that way in this church family where one day we stop and we look up and we think, what are we doing? We're just a bunch of dead men that have lost any spirituality and, and lost anything about the relationship that God wants us to have. And, and we're so caught up in our, our, our own mind and carnal thoughts and carnal activities that, that we have forgotten everything about who God is. Oh, it can happen. It happened pretty easily here. Moses was just gone a few days. We see a mess that has taken place. And their worship has only become entertainment. Their worship was replaced with the carnal dancing and singing and, and just all about them and making them happy. Boy, are we not seeing that in churches today? You want to you live on cotton candy every day? Soon you'll be anemic, and then pretty soon you're going to be very sick, and then pretty soon you'll die spiritually. You go to a church that all they want to do is, is, is do whatever uh, socially is correct in the world and, and the thoughts and make everybody happy in the world. And, and they start uh, dumbing down the word of God and they stop dumbing down the holiness of God. And, and they don't want to make anybody squirm in their seat like some of you are doing right now. And, and, they, and they don't want you to feel a little bit uncomfortable about maybe God is starting to prick your heart right now and show you that maybe you do have an idol in your life and you need to get away from that and, 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 and kill that idol, whatever it is, by getting it out and, and putting it back in the place where it ought to be. And, and instead, you, all you want to do is come and you want to be entertained. Well, I'm not here to entertain you. And this church isn't here to entertain the community. 
The church is here to worship an almighty God, one that, that, that deserves our praise, that deserves our worship. He doesn't deserve the second best, third best, fourth best, eighth best. God deserves the best that we have. Whatever it is, let us have the right attitude, the best attitude that God wants. Let us make sure that our hearts are pure with Him right now because God wants the best of our hearts. God wants the best of our lives. God wants the best of everything that we have. Let us give it to Him. And let us worship Him and let us not replace our carnality and, or, or replace worship with our carnality. And here we see what it comes to in verse 25 and when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked under their shame among their enemies. Here, this word naked isn't the, the, the thought that you're having right now, even though a lot of that mess was going on. It just means that, that they had no restraints. No restraint whatsoever in what they were doing. Oh, whenever we say everything goes in, in, in praising God, then... We have lost the holiness of God. We have lost the fear of God. We've lost the reverence of God. And, and now we're just thinking that he's some old man who, who's just up there waiting for us and, 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 and just patting us on the head like some grandpa who lets us get away with everything that we want and do whatever it is that we want. God is not mocked. And boy, we'll be in trouble. As soon as we become that, put a tombstone on this church and walk away and go somewhere else. Oh, it might not be totally dead in society, but it'll be dead spiritually. And so I ask, what is our golden calf? What is our sacred cow? Now, I'm not bitter about this, and I hope you guys know this. Most of you wasn't here, and so it's okay. Those that have, you lived through it just like I did, and it's okay. There was a time before I got here that the church owned three acres, right up here past Road 22, and where Brunt's Electric is. Anybody know where I'm talking about? That little three-acre lot right there. The church owned that. Praise the Lord. Happy to, when we got here, that's, that is actually where we lived. We, we bought a double wide. The church voted and allowed us to, we purchased a little Oakwood double wide, 1,200 square feet. Greatest, just a wonderful little house. And, and we put it in there on that little piece of property. And, and we lived there until 2003, from 97 to 2003. And living there, I could understand, uh, three acres is what it was. And so... As we started to grow in the church, and we got to about 100 people, and I, I, by this time now we have bought our place. We lived right over here where the big red barn's at, and we've probably still been there if people would slow down. I just know one day somebody's going to end up in that living room of that house doing 100 miles an hour. Anyway, um, so we had moved in there. And having now lived there on that piece of property and seeing the church grow and having, having, having a goal and, and also believing God's in this, I, I, went to the, I went to the deacons first and I said, guys, that piece of property isn't big enough. It's just not big enough. I mean, if we build a building on that, we put in a septic system, and then you put in a parking lot, we're out of room. And there's nowhere to grow. 
I mean, you're, you're, you're done. And so, and I said, there's just no way. Can I tell you, from that very moment, it was like I flipped a switch and pastor needed to go. And I went back in the books, and I could even show you this. When they bought that piece of property, they had to build a bridge across the irrigation ditch. And so they went, they went into the state, and the state said, well, the bridge will be determined on how big of a church you want to build. And they said, well, we'll build a church that will seat 30 to 40. That's not the same vision that I had. It sure wasn't what I believed that God wanted. I know it wasn't. And so I just told them, I said, we don't need to do this. And it ended up, we had a church split. And in Memorial Day weekend of 2006, we went from 90 to about 45. And you know what? God never missed a paycheck, never missed a bill paid. And on the very, that Sunday that everybody left, we had a whole family trust Christ as their Savior. And guess what? Just started growing again. And then, praise the Lord, those that stayed had a vision to see, let's make a difference in this community. We went in one Wednesday night, and on that Wednesday evening, we I had a gentleman in there. He said, you know, Pastor, we really need to open these walls up downstairs in the basement. It's so crowded in here. You've got a fellowship hall that will seat about 30 people. And, and by that Wednesday night, we had knocked all the walls out of that basement. It's a wonder it didn't fall down on our head. We're like, okay, let's do this. And so rebuilt the basement. And we had the money sitting in the bank. Nobody was in love with the money. And, and they said, let's do this. And so we took the money and remodeled the entire basement of that church. Beautiful basement. We let the ladies de decide on the, uh, on the kitchen. And it's a beautiful kitchen. On the whole east side is all cabinets. So two, uh, had one refrigerator and, and, and two stoves. And it and, uh, was beautiful. And all the cabinets, we got that done. And, and then uh, two years later, we... We were there, and, and we're upstairs, and the, and the roof is falling in on, on the building. And we, we said, well, let's do something. And so we started looking at it, and we started raising the money to, to do so. And, and uh, it was going to bid was $100,000, and, and, or now it was $120,000. We had about 50000 raised. Had a gentleman in the church call me and say, Pastor, can you come out here? And I went out and talked to him, and he said, so what's going on? What are you doing? And I told him the, what we wanted to do. We wanted to put a new roof on the building and, and get rid of the old pews. Those, those pews were all wood, right? And, and the thing is, is, is if you had uh, enough people sit in the pews between the back and the seat, it would come open, right? Well, when one person would get up, it would close. Guess what it'd close on? Yeah, you'd see people get Pentecostal. It'd be like, woohoo! You know? <laughs> it was interesting several times, you know? You know, and he said, so what's going on? And I told him. He said, well, how much are we missing? And he said, $50,000. That's what I said. And he said, I'll write a check. I'm like, okay, praise the Lord. Do you want to kiss now or later? <laughs> we did that. Tore the whole roof off in, in February. And he went in there and they took a chainsaw and they cut it into sections, lifted it off, put a brand new roof on, had it done in two days. I mean, it was amazing. And then 
went in and remodeled the whole thing. And, and, and then two years after that, we're like, we're, we're out of room. I mean, we were, we were so packed in there. I mean, I, I told you this story before. It was such a hoot. We're, we're having special meetings with Dwight and Paul. We had 200 people in a building that seats 130. We were oozing out, right? And it was so blooming hot. We had the AC on high. We had the windows open. We had the doors open. I don't know. Some of you guys remember this. Dwight, he's up there preaching. And the neighbor's German shepherd got loose and came in the front door, ran down the aisle, took a sharp right, and went right out the other side door. Yeah. It was fantastic. You know, it was great. I mean, we were losing, but we saw we needed to, to, to get a, a more room. And so we, we needed a nursery. And, and so we, all right, well, or we needed a classroom. That's what it was. And we needed some offices. And so we go in, we build that. And uh, the money came in just as we were building, paid for the whole thing. And, and, and as soon as we did that, uh, we thought, man, we got room in here for a nursery and a little kid's ministry. We had 10 babies in there the first Sunday. We're like, okay. And so, and so then, you know, we, 2014, we said, all right, we, we've been trying to, to grow and trying to do something. And, and the vision of the church was let's move forward. And God opens up 62 acres. We buy that. And we think, well, we'll get that paid for. And we're like, we can't wait, okay. And so then we trust God. We go to the bank. We get the money. We build the new building. Four years, we pay the debt off. Million fifty thousand dollars that you guys paid off, and 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 God is in that, and and when it comes time, and we get the plans, and we and we and, and we know exactly what it is that God wants us to do with the sanctuary, and know how many people that that we need to have to seat in that, then then God's going to do the same thing, and we'll trust Him, and we'll walk with Him. We just want to do whatever it is that He wants us to do, but I'm telling you that 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 we do this, and. And, and God does great things, and, and I, sh- I share this with you. I saw one of those families several years. It was after we moved in here. Saw him at the Golden Corral over in Loveland. And he comes up to me and, and uh, uh, said, Hey, I hear that things are going well, and, and, and I hear that you guys got a new building. And what did you ever do with that piece of property? I said, Oh, we killed that sacred cow. We sold it. It was a down payment on one of our remodels. You know, sometimes you need to understand there are some sacred cows that need to be killed. Even as a pastor, there might be certain things that I've wanted that it's just not in the right place and it needs to be killed. There are things that we as a church, we need to realize that that yes, you know what, as you continue to reach people and more people come, there's more baggage and, and there's all kinds of walks of life. And, and you know what, it might make you a little uncomfortable because somebody doesn't believe like you do exactly or, or act like you or dress like you or, or, or I, I don't know, whatever it is, but you, you know what, it's going to be okay. And, and we get out of our comfort zone and that, that golden calf that we have of our security and our ease, easement and, and thinking that this is the only way it is and maybe we ought to have a little broader spectrum of our thinking about things and maybe showing a little grace and mercy instead of burning the place down because somebody disagrees and and instead we walk in a way that is biblical but in being biblical we also do it in love and mercy and compassion and we see God change their lives along the way but oh when we get to the point where we're happy content with where we are and we 
really just want to stay inward focused, then put a tombstone over the head of the church. Board it up and walk away and go join the country club. At least there you can go play ball. Oh, help us. Help us not to worship a golden calf, whatever it is. And let us be careful as a church that we don't go that direction. What's our golden calf? What's our sacred cow? You know what? And I'm not mad at those people. I'm really not. I, kind of, I really kind of feel bad for them. Because if they could have seen what God can truly do, they'd still be here and be a part of it. And see what, see some things that, that only God could do. Oh boy, I'm sure, I'm sure thankful that God didn't send me on my way. Not because of who I am, but I got to see what God can do. And what he is doing. And by God's grace, what he will do. And let us keep focused. But when those golden calves come, let us put them back where they need to be. Keep it in the rightful place. And if it's something that truly is sacred that's getting in the way, get rid of it. Whatever it is. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the example. Lord, I ask that you help us to have the right attitude. Lord, you show us in this passage that the only way to get through this and do it right then is find that atonement and forgiveness of what we've done. And so, Lord, we come to you. And we bow and we trust you and we get rid of our own attitude. We get rid of our sacred cows that we have and the golden calf and we put you back in the rightful place where you ought to be and so lord i pray that you bless us and i pray that you help us to be a church family that loves each other but more so loves you and your word and that, father as we live in a way that is just so contrary to what the world does that father people will see that and many Many will come and understand the true love that you give us and that we show to them. Help us to live in a way that truly is honoring and pleasing to you. Forgive us when we transgress. Help us to get those things right in our lives. Help us to be what it is that you want us to be. Whatever needs to be done, I pray you stir in the hearts of each one. We leave it here today and find you to be all-powerful and almighty in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One more opportunity as we're singing this hymn. If you need to get things right, let's do so. Only trust him, 541. Let's all stand. If you need to do business with God, you can do it in your seat. You can come. You can pray at the altar. You can have someone come and sit down with you somewhere and pray in privacy and whatever. Let's just make sure that we get things right as we sing. Only trust him. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord, and He will surely give you rest, trusting in His Word. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will save you. He 
save you. He will save you. Let's sing that chorus one more time. Only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. He will save you, he save you, he will save you now. It is a joy to see everyone here today. Love to see you back again tonight, 5 o'clock. Come and worship with us. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. You're dismissed.